0: I always go from the saying of there is room for everybody on the market, everyone. It's just a matter of positioning because n- no two buyers have the same specific needs. The problem is, you know, how do, how do we cut through that noise and actually be seen and be found by the people that really, really would need them?
1: Welcome to Top of Mind, a show where we speak with top marketers, creators, and leaders who are shaping the culture around us. I'm Stuart Hillhouse, and I believe that through great marketing, you can earn the privilege of occupying a tiny sliver of your customer's already overflowing brain. Join me today as we learn what it takes to become top of mind. As we're recording this episode, the world is entering its second month of lockdown. And this has forced businesses to turn to digital tools in order to get their work done. As a result, people are actively looking for solutions to their problem. They're Googling, how do I do this remotely? How do I do that remotely? How do I connect with my team remotely? Searches for audio conferencing is up 565%. Webinars are up 200%. But despite this enormous amount of inbound growth, some software-as-a-service businesses are still struggling to capture that value and attention of their category. My guest today is going to help us to understand what the successful SaaS companies are doing in these unprecedented times in order to delight and retain these new customers. She's an expert in reinventing challenging companies and enabling fast growth. She's the head of client growth at Market8, a growth mentor, and the founder of Angle360. Join me live today is Yasmin Duranda. Thanks so much for joining me, Yasmin.
0: Thank you, Stuart. That was quite an introduction.
1: <laughs> just those numbers are just so baffling yeah. to, to see a already mature industry like audio conferencing to all of a sudden see five, almost six times increase in search traffic. Yeah. Like, that's just unbelievable.
0: It is. It is. It's really, I mean, I think that the, you know, what what that whole pandemic has has brought to us is, you know, a need for digitalization. So companies are now forced uh, to onboard employees remotely, are forced to work remotely. I mean, you know, it's, it's, you want to say it's business as usual, but it really isn't. But I mean, this is really forcing uh, the reinvention of how businesses are functioning. And, you know, everybody has gone through that same Exercise of okay, well, what do we need? What are like the baseline SaaS, you know, SaaS tools that we can add to our stack that will actually make a difference in helping us get remote. So, you know, at Market 8, we're super lucky. We're like a native remote company. So we've been, you know, working remote. The team is fully distributed since the get-go. But that's not the case for a lot of companies, whether it's you know large businesses or smaller businesses, everybody's doing that shift. So so yes it's quite impressive the G2 numbers that you're referring to are pretty you know pretty significant and it's definitely demonstrating that the shift to online and to working remote has has really taken a taken a positive hit.
1: You and I were chatting a little bit before hitting record and the opportunity here is for SaaS companies to really position themselves in yeah. the appropriate way to solve the specific problems that they are built to do, right? So say you've got a company that has never done anything remote and now they're having to figure out, okay, how do we want people to communicate? Do we want it to be through email? We tried that for three weeks and everyone was going crazy. So now we're like, okay, we need a better solution. And as I said, like now we're going into the second month. So the sunk cost of whatever you were doing before is just like, behind them so all these companies now are realizing like this is a longer term thing let's,
0: i was gonna say let's exactly. figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> initially i think that was you know the mindset it's never gonna last you know it's like temporary so i think you know i think that the uh, the buyer journey was slightly different or it's still evolving so initially it was you know baseline we need you know the baseline you know tools to actually function remotely and to just you know keep things going as you know as we need so this is where you go towards the giant, you know, the slacks, the zooms, you know, like the the common, you know, the common denominators that everybody, you know, talks about. But I think that as we are now accepting the fact that, you know, yes, it's month number two and it's not really, you know, there is not really going back to normal anytime soon. We know that a lot of companies are going to stay with a remote, you know, um, with a remote workforce for for the next couple of months, I would say, are encouraging their employees to Stay home and work from home if they can. Um, the 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 needs for those SaaS is going to be very different. So you're going from baseline to now refining and talking about productivity. So it's no longer, you know, you know, is Zoom the right fit for me? It's okay. Well, Zoom is now yes enabling me to do video conferencing. However, I need to create an engagement. You know. I need my video conferencing with my team, you know, my distributed team to be engaging. So what are my alternatives? This is where, you know, this is where it's super interesting to see that, yes, you know, there's really, I mean, I I always go from the saying of there is room for everybody on the market, everyone. It's just a matter of positioning because no two buyers have the same specific needs. I mean, you know, again, not maybe that granular, but I mean, overall, that's the mm-hmm. thinking, right? Is that, the, you know, what what a tool that can solve a problem is not necessarily the right tool for another, you know, uh, for another team setup. The integrations are different. So I think it's really about that. It's about, you know, how, how do we help as growth marketers, how do we help those challengers, those challengers to Zoom and to Slack take their position you know, gain the market share that they deserve, because now as as the buyers are realizing that, hey, you know, we've, you know, we've kind of operated in, in safe mode. We've gotten, you know, the pieces. Now we're at the time where we can actually improve the tool stack that we have, and we need to go and look for something that is more specific. So that learning curve of, of the last two months, which has been, you know, going remote and seeing what works and what doesn't, now you've got, if you want, in your evaluation process, a must-have and a nice-to-have. And the nice to have are kind of, you know, going back into that, that evaluation stage of going, okay, well, yes, those were the must-have. The must-have is, you know, having X, Y, Z. Now, what can I, you know, what else would be awesome? What else can actually get um, my employees, you know, motivated and engaged? I mean, the challenge that companies are facing is keeping, you know, keeping the company culture, keeping people productive, keeping people you know performing getting them to keep training the challenge is even is greater when you're not sitting in a in a you know in an office you said it before we're like now it's more than ever task oriented as opposed to you know time oriented so how do you bridge that how do you still keep you know momentum for the team how do you keep everybody going i mean people still are recruiting you need to be able to train those those people you need to be able to shift, you know, your in-person meeting to an online, you know, uh, virtual meeting and virtual training. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, what's going to happen is, you know, as we're moving over from audio conferencing and video conferencing and webinar and all of those, you know, must have, we're now going to start seeing, okay, well, there is a need for that long-term planning and long-term remote, remote tool facts what's gonna be that tool, that ideal tool tag that's gonna get them to productivity. And it doesn't need to be a big player. It's actually that's the chance for the smaller SaaS player that we're solving a very specific need mm-hmm. to actually shine. The problem is, you know, how do how do we get them to cut through that noise and get mm-hmm. them to and get them to actually be seen and be found by the people that really, really would, you know, would need them.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. So um, you you and your company, Market8, uh, launched a an initiative.
0: So we literally uh, launched the campaigns about a week ago, and yeah, the um, the idea is to come up with a nine step system to help challengers uh, and those those companies, those smaller companies that are really challenging giants in their categories, have an opportunity to gain the market share that they deserve. Again, you know, going back to the idea that everybody has room in the market and that includes those, you know, little smaller challenger companies that have an mm. idea and that, you know, can be the alternative to Zoom or to Slack or to those bigger giants that have literally consumed, you know, the biggest market share. And as, as their weakness, you know, are, as, as their weakness are like starting to show and we had that whole security breach, you know, with Zoom Now it's, you know, it's shedding light on other opportunities and other Mm -hmm. tools that can be used, let's say, you know, in, in, as an alternative. So, you know, I think that this is going to be the era of, of alternative, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, finding an alternative to X, finding an alternative to Y. And this is where, you know, yeah, I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done on the marketing front that can help save those companies.
1: Yeah, fantastic. I I totally agree. And here, and it goes all the way from defining your SaaS positioning. We get into then figuring out your conversions, making sure that you're optimized for all the marketplaces and distribution points that SaaS is typically spread out across, getting your landing pages, getting your search and ads set up properly, multi-touch outreach. And then it finishes off with SEO and content because. Again, you're thinking long term. This is this isn't sure. a get it get get subscriptions over the next month and then forget about it. This is like foundational. Sure. This is the yeah. opportunity for challengers to take a serious chunk out of the market that they deserve yeah. because the the incumbent isn't offering the the specifics and the the value add that some of these challengers can can provide.
0: Totally, and it's really You know, I think positioning is really key there. uh, And that's why it's the first starting point. Because again, you know, if you're really thinking long term, you're thinking, you're not thinking about acquisition now. You're not really thinking about acquiring any type of user. The idea is to really hone in on, on who is that ideal customer and really figuring this out. Because this is key, being able to put yourself in the shoes of your prospects to figure out their needs. Will then mean that you're actually reducing churn in the long run. So it's no longer, you know, hey, let me, you know, let me, you know, grab as many leads as possible. It's actually about being a bit more optimized and optimizing your resources and optimizing, you know, so financial and, you know, people's resources to identify where to hit next and to really think long run. You don't wanna have to onboard and spend time on onboarding somebody who's gonna end up churning. So you want to be able to onboard people that are, you know, that you're going to retain, that are going to love your product to the point that, you know, they will refer you and they will be your brand evangelist. So I think that this is really, you know, the key, the key part is, is positioning, identifying where you sit. And it's completely recommended to even create a new category and not just be like, you don't want to be you know, the alternative, like the second zoom, or you you don't want to be that you need to create your own category. So if you've got legs to stand on, create that next new category that you can be a leader in. And, you know, and nail it down, position yourself in a way that it's very clear, you know, that you are different and how you are different and for who you are, who are are you ideal for. Um, So it's kind of entering that value proposition from the get go.
1: Absolutely. We've had uh, on this show Kevin Maney and Mike Damphouse, who are masters at category creation, and they really? gave a they gave a ton of great actionable steps on how to think about your category and and define yeah. it and put a name to it because that's what you're doing is you're creating something brand new rather than okay. being called Zoom's alternative. You yeah. can become like video conferencing for X industry. Exactly. Something, something I've been thinking about, and maybe you can either, you can help add to it or you can yeah. shut it down completely. It's the first <laughs> cool. time I think I've said it out loud. But I was thinking about kind of a framework where it's not enough to just say, I serve X. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking that it should actually be like a, a two degrees of separation where you say, I serve managers in the veterinary industry. So it's like, I serve X in the uh, Y industry. Say? So you pick out Absolutely. your, like, who it's mm-hmm. for and then what their job is.
0: Absolutely. I think the more, I think it's, you know, it's, again, it's going back to that buyer journey and to that buyer and thinking in his shoes. So that particular person, and w- we call him Danny internally, don't ask why, but Danny is the name of, you know, of who we're trying to solve problems for. But Danny is faced with a, a load of information and noise to cut from and the The heavy lifting of that evaluation is actually on that person. How unfair is that? So we've been addressing marketing as, you know, hey, we've got that great product. If, you know, you're into X, Y, Z, then, you know, we're the right people for you. And we kind of forget that actually our role is to facilitate that evaluation process, is to shorten that evaluation process. And what I like about your, you know, the two axes is that it really tells me, it helps me Self-identify whether or not this is a right fit for me. So you're not actually wasting my time, which you know is like I think it's it's, it's marketing as a whole. It's you know we're, we tend to be time wasters as opposed to enablers, mm. and it's really thinking backwards, thinking about you know the, the strain that is on those users having to make that decision, and it's a massive decision. I mean, adding tool tags and having to migrate your team into a new tool stack and having your team adopt that new product, I mean, goodness, if that evaluation was just easier, you know, you just, you know, you'd make a happy customer from the (laughs) get-go. That awesome customer (laughs) experience would be like straight from the get-go. And literally, I mean, we've had, we've had a client, you know, looking to drift versus intercom, for instance. So here you go, you know, intercom is the mammoth, drift is like completely, you know, it's like a completely different category if you want and same thing it's it's getting the vendors even sales team to realize that hey don't waste don't try and just acquire a lead or acquire a customer just because you're meeting a sales quota try and onboard the right customers you're going to keep him for life you're going to have somebody that is so loyal to you that every time that person is going to have an opportunity instead of whining about how how bad you know you're not solving their problem, they're gonna bribe, you know, they're gonna talk about um, the good stuff that you bring. Yeah. So it's you know, it's thinking, you know, it's thinking really for the customer, for that user, as opposed that, you know, as opposed to in terms of lead acquisition.
1: I remember being on the phone with a with a salesperson for some some software. And within two minutes, she was able to diagnose and say, "Look, actually, this our solution is not for your industry, and we're not able to really offer the things you're looking for. Uh, I can help you." But and then they just told me a competitor, which I appreciate so much. Like and so all of a sudden, I've got totally. tons of tons of tons <laughs> yeah. of respect for that brand, even though I'm not yeah. paying them for anything. But they yeah. even saw it as an opportunity to suggest a, an alternative because sure. they are so confident in who they're for that they don't see sure. that other company as a competitor because they're not serving the same client base.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And it's yeah, so it's strong, really you know. Same thing respect and you know like this this is this is the story that stuck with you, right? Yeah, so this true. is the story. And now you know exactly who their ideal customer profile is. So next yeah. time you come into a situation or you hear of a situation where somebody is looking, you know, where their ideal customer profile is actually looking for that specific solution, you're able to confidently refer them, yeah. No true. Asked. <laughs> so it's a double-edged sword. So yeah, I think you know. I think having the the guts to say we're not we're not fitted for all. We're ideally fitted for these you know use cases for these specific you know two or three axes is is phenomenal. It's yeah. It's being fair.
1: Yes, mean, I'd like to move on to the next um sure. the next point in your framework, which is define your special offer. So once you've got your your uh, ideal customer persona, now you need to identify an offer to to get them interested in providing is it provide their information so you can actually get a hold of them, but also to sure. actually get them to taste what your product is all about because that's the thing with SaaS is so, it's today. digital, it's it's not like you can be with them as a salesperson and show them how it works and teach them how to use it right. You're trusting that they can figure it out right away. And you're providing a, enough information that they can make a decision to say, this is a tool that I am willing to pay for. So okay. in, the, in the description, it says that giving a free trial is, is played out. That's, that's, that's kind of an old way of doing things. How do you think about creating that offer now?
0: Um I think I mean the free trial is you know y- yes, it's not gonna cut through the <laughs> cut the mustard, but I think it's you know same thing it's it's free it's it's opening up opening up your tool, getting people to to use it to interact with it to learn about it. It's about also training people on the use cases so it's identifying the right the right offer that makes sense for you know again for that buyer. so how many times have you had a free trial offer that ends, you know, after 14 days, where actually to be able to really assess the tool, you'd actually need a whole month of that. Or, you know, a free trial is redundant because, you know, hey, this is, let's say, a project management uh, software. And Mm -hmm. for you to be able to migrate everything that you need into that free trial is just nonsense. So how are you going to, you know, how can you turn your offer in a way that it's going to, that it's going to really resonate with that person. Is it going to be a one-on-one personalized demo? Is it going to be, I mean, you know, same thing, people, people, you know, the modern buyer will do his evaluation way before he even speaks to, you know, a sales rep. So I think it's more about creating the content to help him self-identify and figure out that this is the right thing for him. So the baseline is if you already have a customer base, offer them that upgrade. And a lot of companies have that. They've offered, you know, upgrades. They've offered, you know, free free features. I mean, this is the way that you want to be able to upsell. You take your existing uh, solid customer base and you try and expand, you know, and cross-sell or upsell, you know, from within by showing them what they may be missing on. Mm -hmm. And same thing, it's adding value. How can you add value? How can you, you know, can you reduce maybe the pricing? Can you go maybe on an active user basis instead of a, a flat? I mean, we need to, everybody needs to be conscious of the fact that if you are, and that came from an awesome conversation with an investor of one of our clients, he said to me, he said, yes, you need to realize that anybody who is unessential will not, you know, will need to get cut out of the budget. So if your SaaS is not essential, you better have a pretty good offer to make, you know, to pretend that you're essential and pretend that you're going to be kept on the board. Because everybody is at the moment looking at cash flow, everybody, you know, is trying to extend their runway as much and as long as possible. So everybody is into essential mode so the you know the the actual offer needs to be mindful of that needs to be you know it has to make business sense for for you as a company but it also has to make business sense for for the company that you're you know that you're offering yeah. you know your product
1: yeah, yeah back to that um, that essentialism side of things is everyone's going to be looking and and I know in my role we're just kind of looking at every tool I use and we're like let's what let's stop paying for that it's ten dollars a month, but it adds up, and it's enough. And it's enough to bring it up in a conversation and say, "Are we using this? Should we get rid of it?" And then, if it's not, if I haven't used it, if it's not fresh in my mind, or if it's not an essential tool, yeah, it's uh, yeah. that offer needs totally. to be really, really nailed in.
0: It has to be. It has to be really, uh, you know, a core. I mean, we've had one of our clients, same thing. They're in the manufacturing business, and they got hit hard because they're into retail. So it's you know it's it's that those you know one of clients that are you know legacy clients of of the old market eight as web developers HubSpot mar- partners that have gone into our retainer, uh, our growth retainer, and I mean literally from one day to the other it's like we need to completely turn off the whole marketing budget and any tool that we're using, including HubSpot, which was their CRM. You know was you know how can we bring it down to the minimum viable? so it's massive you know and we're talking about yeah you know like you know hundreds and you know hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars but you know all of that is about you know runway it's how can we it's the, it's the it's the bandwidth to be able to pay their employees in the long run so it's tools versus employees
1: is at at the start if you're a new tool you might not get the kind of uh, recognition that you you hope to have but if you can manage that relationship and you are carving out your category on its own, then you can actually turn it from a nice to have into like a required line item. And that's the goal Absolutely. that any type of uh, B2B tool is, or even B2C, like if it's part of your personal budget, like every month. I know I am paying for Spotify. It's budgeted into my monthly thing. It's like it's not going anywhere. The same with with business tools like Salesforce or HubSpot is they've been able to carve out that CRM is just a a new item on every single company's (laughs) uh, budget. Absolutely. Another step, we're not gonna have time to go through all nine of them, but one that I what stood out to me is the to launch a competitor comparison landing page.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I love that what, one.
1: <laughs> yeah, can you can you tell me a little bit about that?
0: So same thing, I mean going back to that user and helping so this is the place where everybody's looking for that alternative. So you need to be able to identify who your you know who your alternative is. And it could be, you know, an alternative to Zapier. It could be an alternative to HubSpot. It could be an alternative. I mean, you're still catching. The the problem is when you're creating that new category, nobody knows that you exist. So people don't know that, you know, what they don't know. So they, you know, the first, if you want, in their buying process, the first thing is, what is it that I need? Okay, I need that type of of product. And I don't necessarily look elsewhere. I look at maybe... I get into G2 or Captera. identify, you know, like some of the other players that I should be looking at. But you need to be able to confront, you know, one of the leading, you need to be able to challenge. So you need to be out there and say, okay, I'm going to take on Slack. And because that's the point of reference for the buyers. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to show you and it's not about competing. Again, it's about it's about making that favor to the user who was considering Slack, but feels that Slack is not really the right fit because of XYZ and turning that into your own advantage and saying, okay, well, this is, those are actually my advantage over Slack. And if this matters to you, then you should be considering me. And we did that for that company, that LMS company, where same thing, you know, we're after, you know, the, the big dog, the big giant doesn't really care about the smaller business they don't they're not gonna they're not gonna craft customer support they're not gonna craft customer success around around you they've got their machine rolling and customization for them is not their priority support is not their priority well if you as a customer don't have an IT department and support to you is super important then this big player is not for you that alternative however who value support, who can support you because this is the way that they have built the product from the ground up through customization. This is, you know, you want to be able to say, hey, I do exist. If like support is good for you, then, you know, I'm here. And just, you know, it's like, it's like opening their eyes, you know. It's like going, you know, shopping and realizing that, you know, yes, you need pasta. But guess what? (laughs) There's different kinds of pasta, you know, like on the aisle that can be fitted for the right diet that you have you know it's it's very much you know the principle is very simple it's really thinking about the user thinking about that buyer and and on on creating valuable content that will facilitate their evaluation process and let them quickly identify you know whether that's the right fit or not so that competitor landing page i mean same thing it's no longer i mean at, at this level people are not really comparing features to features they're looking for a solution So they're looking, if you want, as a whole, like as a category. Is this category the right fit for me? And then they go granular at a features level. So what you want to be able to say is at least, you know, attract instead of doing, you know, building those comparison table, it's being able to attract them by pulling, let's say, that weakness from that big giant. And if this is your strength, then turning that into a strength and really shedding light on that. And I mean, users, you're basically fast forwarding their evaluation process because they will they would have gotten to that conclusion it just may have taken like three months so what you're doing is you're doing data, you know the data mining the data review mining for them you're going into that evaluation you're actually doing that evaluation for them and you're saying okay well everybody's complaining about x well this is actually a strength for me so you're like you know reduce that evaluation process it's like you know tiny now Mm -hmm. now you've got a chance to at you know to at least be part of that short you know that that short list
1: so yeah yeah. that's all the way to solution to then features and then to price and nitty-gritty and then like and then the decision gets made but to to understand that emotional side of things saying like don't you get frustrated with tool x we don't do that to you. You, you, exactly. you put it in the customer's words and then you say, okay, now if, you, if you're if you interested in accomplish XYZ, but you get frustrated by ABC, then we're the tool for you. Because then you're just like picking the worst parts of all your competitors and then yep. p- picking the best parts about you. And you look yep. amazing in, in that way. Exactly. And if you phrase it that way.
0: Totally. And then, you know, again, you're giving them, you know, it's that's why it's not... It's not a one-size-fits-all, what, what works for one, you know, type of buyer will not work for the other. So it's no point trying to compete head over head, you know, with the giant. you won't be able to compete. I mean, they're like, you know, they're there and they've been there. What you can do is look at the unsatisfied customers, determine that, bundle that up and then figure out, you know, is this something that you can actually solve? Is this part of your roadmap? Is this a value mm-hmm. that you share? if this is it then this is you know that's it's part of the positioning right i mean it's it's exactly you know it goes back to the positioning at the end of the
1: day do you have any any places that you would go to look to find those dissatisfied customers because those are ideally <laughs> the best the best new acquisition is people who have chosen to offboard from a, a similar product that's the ideal time that they i mean their trust is very low but if you can if you can provide the satisfaction that they were missing from that other product, that could be a really quick win.
0: Yeah. So same thing. I mean, it's, you know, going back to the buyer journey. So if your buyer is actually looking at, you know, and I'll take e-commerce, for example, if they're into, you know, if, if you've got a listing in Shopify and you know that your buyer is looking for an app and the first point of entry is Shopify, the Shopify marketplace, then, you know, this is, you need to be able to reverse engineer the buyer journey to be able to identify who of your competitors will be in that in that array, in that evaluation process. So mm. you're kind of reversing, you know, reverse engineering that. And that's why, of course, you know, like obviously anything that's a marketplace, anything that's a directory. So, and every vertical has their own directory. So, you know, same thing, you are not limited to G2 Crowd and, and Captera, but I think it's it's looking at the different directories, looking at the marketplace if you're listed in one and and doing the customer data mining from there. And you will find, I mean, you know, just the same way that you purchase on Amazon or you purchase on on an e-commerce shop, you know, you look at, you usually look at products and then when you start evaluating the different products, you then start honing down on the reviews. You look at the positive reviews, but the first thing that you actually do is look at the negative reviews. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's how I, Purchase. I usually you know look at you know look at overall and then when it gets down to like you know comparing vendors I will look at the bad reviews because they're way more significant than the positive reviews and then I will decipher whether or not they're like making sense or is it something that's personal or is it you know like kind of the type of, of bad review that was given So I mean those directory listings those marketplace listings where they you know you can see actual real user reviews are like a gold mine.
1: Yeah. What I like to do when I'm looking at reviews is if you're able to only select, if it's out of five, I only select two and four, because (laughs) then you don't get the people who are like, la la la, this is the best thing that's ever happened. And you don't get the ones that are, oh my God, it it crashed and broke on me because that's not helpful because that's just like a technical thing. And then you don't get the threes for people who are like wishy-washy, like I couldn't make my mind. So then you get like the positives. but there's yeah. also in the fours are going to tell you what they wish it could do better because it didn't deserve a five. Absolutely. And then in true. the twos, they're also going to mention what they enjoyed about it that it didn't yeah. deserve a one.
0: Yeah. And that's so true because then at the end, you know, it's it's also about creating a, a product that is user centric as opposed to a product roadmap that does not match what your ideal customer wants. And yeah. like you said, you know, if you can identify from the four stars, you know, which are like people that already like what you're doing pretty good enough, you know, to give you that floor. And if you can try and shape your product roadmap, you know, towards that, that's fantastic. I mean, for me, the principle of marketing is, you know, marketing is not an entity on its own. It's not a team of its own. The best, you know, the best performance or the best growth that we've seen with clients is when we get to interact with sales, customer success and product. So, It's about shifting the mindset and it's really about, you know, closing that gap between all four teams because then you're able to talk about customer centricity. Then you're about, you know, you're able to talk about, you know, a user centric map and you're able to create a product that really people love and Mm -hmm. the right people love it. So it's kind of, you know, closing that, that loop and, you know, and again, it's about creating value as opposed to just creating yet another piece of software that doesn't solve any product except for, you know, an ego, <laughs> ego <laughs> problem more <Yeah. laughs> than <within> anything else. <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need any more ego products. Awesome, Yasmin. I think we covered three of them, but there's there's nine uh, steps yeah. that are available for free on uh, Market8's website. It's market8, as in M-A-R-K-E-T, number 8, dot net. And you can look for the challenger system uh, button there where you can go through the whole framework. And for free, you can dive into each of the nine. And they've set up some really great frameworks that you can apply to, to set, scale your SaaS company right now in, in given this uh, very opportunistic time, but also to create long-term value for those if you're able to do it correctly.
0: Thank you. Yeah, that's uh, the whole team came together. I really hope that it brings, you know, value. Yasmin, yes, I mean, <laughs> this has it. been
1: awesome. Thank you so much. And if thank you want you. to reach out to her, LinkedIn is the place to do it. Keep the conversation going if, if SAS is your style. So thank you so much, awesome. Yasmin. Yeah. I mean, this has been great. Thank you. If you enjoyed anything that you just heard, then you're going to absolutely love what we're about to tell you. If you go online to topofmind.substack.com and put in your email you can get access to exclusive behind-the-scenes content inspired by this show. So there's going to be candid audio recordings that aren't going to be available anywhere else, not on Spotify, not on Apple, nowhere else except on topofmind.substack.com. But that's not it. It's also a platform where I can share written content, videos, links, and anything else that I come across directly with you. You're going to get access to it right away. You're going to get access to the whole library of archived posts. And you're also going to be the first to be notified when a new episode of Top of Mind comes out. So head on over to topofmind.substack.com. See you there. If you enjoyed anything that you just heard, you're gonna absolutely love what I'm about to tell you. If you go online to stewarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button, you'll be added to an email list where I share exclusive content related to this show. This is where I'm gonna share my key takeaways from each episode, including my highlights, top of mind takeaways, and next steps that you can do to put this advice to action. I also share some real-life breakdowns of marketing campaigns that I'm seeing around and how I'm using it in my work. So head on over to stuarthillhouse.com and hit the subscribe button to get your first email. Looking forward to seeing you there.